as we're going to learn today, God wants us to draw near to Him. He wants us to come to Him, to seek Him. And you know, Karen spoke of the, the storm, and God's more powerful than that. You know, think of the most powerful hurricane out there. God is more powerful than that. Amen. Think of the strongest tornado. It's nothing. God could just flip it off and be gone. It's nothing compared to His power. He is all-powerful, almighty, but yet He is gracious. He wants us to experience His grace. Finding His grace. I truly believe that we cannot understand and cannot know God the way we should know Him if we don't fully understand His grace. Because if we don't understand His grace, we're going to look to God as one that all He wants to do is punish us, wants to destroy us. We're going to look to Him as, yeah, He is powerful, but we got to understand that grace. That His grace is all sufficient. That He wants to extend His grace to us. He wants us to repent of our sins and receive that amazing grace. Finding His grace. And we're going to the Old Testament. Again, Exodus 33, verses 7-23. through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. He called it the Tabernacle of Meeting because they had not yet erected the big, or built the big tabernacle, even the one that was the, you know, made of the cloth and the poles. They had not made that yet. So he took this tent and he pitched it out there, and this is the Tabernacle of Meeting, meeting that is the place where he would meet with God. The Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses." And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. How awesome. What a vision. Just envision that. There's that tent. It's out there. They could see it. It's way out there though. But they could see it and they're standing there when they watch Moses go into that tent, tabernacle of meeting, and that pillar of cloud come down and descend upon that tent. Friends, wouldn't that be awesome? that if the neighborhood all around the church has looked and a big pillar of cloud descended upon our meeting house every Sabbath, that would be awesome. But we know that He is present through His Holy Spirit. But I still think, wow, how awesome to see that pillar of cloud. I, I just, when I think of that, it's like, wow, that's awesome. What an amazing thing that would have been to experience and see. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. He did not depart because he stood there as guard. Because people are curious, right? They might sneak off and go out there to that tabernacle and... Go into that tent. If, if, if the presence of God there, you think of the tabernacle, 
And within the big tabernacle was the place called the Holies of Holies. You did not dare enter there unless you had been through the ceremonial cleansing and, and repented and was without sin. Because if you entered into that place with sin, boom, you're done. So Joshua stood guard to keep anyone from coming out and going into that tent that shouldn't have been there. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation as your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of all the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. I'll eventually get through this reading. If I keep, if I keep pausing, maybe not, right? Moses said to God, Please show me your glory. Moses wanted more. You know, he talked with God face to face. But he said, I want more. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And you've all read the story of the Exodus and Moses going up on the mountain. Well, the people were okay with, you go for us. We're scared. You go. Moses, he's brave. He went. But he, and he wanted more of God. Friends, are we there? Do we want more of God? He said, show me your glory. That should be our prayers. God, show me your glory. We should want more. Not be satisfied with staying afar off. But want more of Him. Then He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, God said to Moses, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. That is how holy God is, friends. And that reveals something else to me. You cannot see my face. So let's read the rest of this and get it done, right? And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. He allowed him to see his backside, but not his face, because his face reveals his glory. How amazing is that? He at least got to see his backside. So we should say, Lord, can I at least see your backside? Let me see your glory. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do praise you and magnify you. We acknowledge that you are the one true God, that you created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Father, we have so much to be thankful and grateful for. Thankful for the breath that we have. Thankful for your presence. 
Father, we are thankful today that You desire that we would come to You, that we would seek a, an intimate relationship with You, that we would seek Your face. Father, that You would make Yourself known to us. Make Yourself known to us today, Father, in Your Word and in this place, Father. May Your Spirit be present. May Your Spirit speak to each of our hearts and our minds and help us to receive what You have for us. And Father God, that we would get a glimpse of Your glory. But Father, more importantly, when we leave this place, may others see Your love in us, to see Your glory in us, that they would see Your Son in us, Father God, that we would be love, that You would be love through us to others, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So how did they arrive at this place? How did they arrive at this situation where Moses said, all right, I'm gathering up the tent. I'm going to move the tent way out here, afar from the camp. How did they get there? Well, prior to this passage is where Moses was up on the mountain. For how long? Forty days. Someone knew. Forty days. Moses up on the mountain for forty days. So the children of Israel, I mean, come on, they was in Egypt for four hundred years nearly, and here they are, forty days. Where is that Moses? We have been waiting for so long. I, you know, that mountain's rump, rumbling and lightning and this and that. So I have a feeling some of them probably said, well, he's probably dead. You know, prob God's probably destroyed him. Because 40 days, surely he should have been back by now. So what did they do? They're tired of waiting. While Moses is up on the mountain and getting the Ten well, all the other stuff from God, but the Ten Commandments also... While God's telling Moses, Thou shalt have no other God before thee, they're down at the foot of the mountain saying to Aaron, We don't know what's happened to this Moses. You fashion us a God to go before us. So Aaron says, Okay, bring me your gold. And they fashion the golden calf. So God is angry. God is angry at the children of Israel. He says to Moses, Get away from them. Leave me alone with them so I can destroy them. And I will make a nation of you. That's how angry God is with the nation of Israel. But Moses pleads with God on their behalf and says, do not do this thing. The other nations will say, you brought them out here to the desert just to kill them. So God had compassion on them at Moses' plea. My friends, that's grace. He had grace upon the children of Israel. So this is why Moses took the tent far from the camp. Mind you, this is not Moses' regular dwelling place. This was the tent, a tent where he would meet with God. So they took it outside. What's the point of this? To signify that the people were not worthy to have the meeting place of God within the camp because of their rebellion because of their sin. So he moved outside the camp. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. So there was wickedness within the camp. My friends, God is far from the wicked. But even though the tent was removed and placed, I'm not sure how far, but God's gracious nature is revealed in the midst of His disciplinary action with the people. 
The last part of verse 7 said, And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. He still made a way, even though he wasn't there in the camp, but he was out here, says to them, if you want to come to me, you can seek me out. Is it not the same today? We must seek him. The word sought here means to search out, especially in worship and prayer, to search for God, to search Him out, to seek Him diligently. God basically said of the nation of Israel, you're a bunch of stiff-necked people, and I've had enough of you. I'm going to move over here. If you want me, if you want a relationship with me, you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to repent of your sins over here and come to me. I'm not going to dwell with a bunch of unrepentant people, but I'm going over here. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Do we diligently seek Him? Because if we do, He will reward our faithfulness. Not just once in a while. God doesn't want us to just seek Him Sabbath mornings, but He wants us to seek Him always, every day. You know, scholars for years have taught that we are living in the dispensation of grace. And we are. From the time of Christ to now is called this, the dispensation of grace. A time of grace. And that is true, my friends. But God reveals His graciousness even in the Old Testament. God revealed His graciousness to the children of Israel. That is God's nature. That's part of God's nature. That He is a gracious God. Willing to forgive. Whenever one repents of their sins. Repents in their hearts. Verses 12 and 13 of our passage said, Then Moses, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray that if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. He understood, Moses understood, that I might find grace in your sight. Moses knew that God was a gracious God, willing to forgive. As Christians, our understanding of grace is that we can freely receive God's unmerited favor. And we know that He made His grace manifest through Jesus Christ by sending His Son. He is grace. And we can receive salvation because of His graciousness. But I truly believe that one cannot really know God, as I said, unless they know His grace. You cannot know God. For it is by grace that we are saved through faith. 
Last week I spoke of Joshua. And truly, a man of impeccable faith, not finding any shortcomings in his walk with the Lord. Man of strong faith, obedient. Today, you know, as we look at Moses, as Moses dealt with the people of Israel and as he converses with God, we know that there were occasions where Moses struggled a little bit, right? He struggled a little bit with anger. Well, dealing with that well over a million people and their rebellion and their, mum, their, their murmuring and, and grumbling all the time, I probably would have been a lot more angry than him. Like, I've had enough of you. I probably would have said, that sounds like a good idea. God, go ahead and destroy them. <laughs> but he didn't. But he didn't. He may have struggled a little bit with anger. When he came down off the mountain, he was angry. He took the tablets of stone and threw them, and he was angry with those people. Remember the time when God told him to speak to the rock? The people were murmuring because there was no water. Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and I will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly to gather before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. little emphasis there. You rebels, listen. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly in the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow, my, hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Friends, that one act. God is still gracious, but God is God. He expects faithfulness and trust and obedience. He said, speak to the rock. And Moses struck it twice. But Moses still found favor in God's eyes and still faithfully served Him. But he was tired of their murmuring and complaining is why he struck the rock. Who could blame him? But one thing is for certain. Moses was not lacking on courage and determination to seek after God. He was not afraid to question God. He was not afraid to plead with God. And he wanted to know God in a more intimate way. He, again, he wanted to see God's glory. So he was a, just courageous, amazingly courageous. Look at the burning bush. How many would have just ran in fear, but not Moses? He wanted to go and see, what is this amazing thing? Not afraid to go up onto the mountain with the lightning and the thunder, while the others were hiding back behind the bushes, he's seeking after God, a courageous man. Verse 13 said, Now therefore I pray that if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight. 
and 18, And Moses said to God, Please show me your glory. Moses was so courageous. So courageous. He wanted to see all of God's power. Verses 19 through 23, I want to reread that also. God's favor to seek those who seek Him. Then He said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But He said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, So it shall be that while my glory passes, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. The Hebrew word for glory is my own self. God Himself. That's what it says. My own self will pass by. Helen Spurl's original Hebrew says it this way. I will hide you in the cavity of the rock. And I will defend you with the protectiveness of my power until I have passed by. The Lord was saying in essence, Yes, you've failed me, but I'm going to put you in a place where you'll be secure. That place is inside the rock. And I want to say to you there, don't harbor doubt and fear. I'm about to give you a revelation of who I am. That's how she Inter, or yeah, defines that. God wants us to know Him. He wants us to know who He is. Colossians 3, 1-4 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. In God. My friends, your life, as God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock, your life, my life, is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I already heard her say, the rock. Jesus is the rock. Remember, he is the stone that the builders rejected, he is the foundation that the church is built upon. And we are hidden in Him. Just as God protected Moses, in Christ we are protected. He is the cleft of the rock that we hide in. Receive that today. We are God's children. If we have done wrong, if we have sinned, He does not want us to run from Him. He wants us to run to Him. So when you sin, run to Him. Bow down and repent. And run to Him, not from Him. Because He wants us to come to Him. He wanted the children of Israel to come to Him. But they were fearful. My friends, we can have grace through Christ and have faith and not doubt. He wants us to have it all. He wants us to have His glory. He wants us to trust Him. He wants to bless us. I found a story J. Wilbur Chapman shared this testimony given by a man that came to one of his meetings. He says, The man said that I got off at the Pennsylvania Depot as a tramp, and for a year I begged on the streets for a living. 
He said, Then one day I touched a man on the shoulder and said, Mister, can you give me a dime? And as soon as, soon as I saw his face, I was shocked to see that it was my own father. He said, Father, Father, do you know me? Throwing his arms around the young man, and with tears in his eyes, he said, Oh, my son, at last I have found you. I have found you. You want a dime? He says, everything I have is yours. The young man says, think of it. I was a tramp. I stood begging my own father for ten cents, when for eighteen years he had been looking for me to give me all that he had. What a wonderful illustration of what God wants to do for us, how He wants to treat us. Let's let Him. Let's receive what He has for us. You know, there are so many examples of God's grace in the, in the Bible, the whole Bible. The prodigal son. I mean, that's what that story was about. That prodigal son said to his father, I've had enough of this place. Give me my inheritance. I want to go. I want to live in the world. And he gives it to him. After he had squandered it with wild women and booze and put it in today's spectrum, drugs and all that stuff. When he had nothing left, I'll go to my father and see if I can be a servant. But his father threw his arms around him, brought out the robe, put a ring on his hand. He says, all that I have is yours. The adulterous woman that the religious leaders brought to Jesus. My friends, what did he show her? He showed her grace, did he not? They all departed because they were not without sin. He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He extended grace to her. He wants to extend grace to us. I believe the more that we read the Bible, the more that we understand God's grace, the more we'll know Him. We can find God's grace from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22-21. In the Old and New Testament of like alike, as God's representatives in the world, we must extend God's grace to others, and we must courageously seek Him, as Moses did. That's the most important thing I think to say today: that we seek Him courageously, without fear. He is an awesome and powerful God, but He is gracious. And He wants to extend His grace. He wants us to draw near to Him. He wants us to find His grace. I can remember when first, before coming to the understanding of grace, all I saw was a God that, the God of the law was all that I saw. But when I began to get that understanding of God's grace, that He that we could know through His Word that we can have salvation. These things that I have written that you may know that you have life. That it is by grace you are saved through faith. Not of my works. Yes, we're to do good. We're to try to discipline our lives and seek the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. But that's not what saves us. It is only by His grace. 
And when I came to that understanding, what a change in my life. What a change in my understanding of God and who He really is. It's His will that none should perish. But it's His will that all would come to Him. Get out of the camp and come to God is what He desires. Us to come to Him and have that relationship with Him. Receive what He has for us. That's His call on all of our lives. And that's the call that we should share with others to help them find His grace too. That they can have that peace that we have in our hearts because of His love. Amen?